pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 190. Today I'm going to chat with Carrie Sloan, aka Stilettos and Shotguns, discuss the Democrats' efforts to pack the Supreme Court, highlight the LTD 9 pistol from Lone Wolf, and talk about a camera malfunction that happened in a Canadian Parliament Zoom meeting. I am your host, Ava Flanell, and Carrie, how are you doing today? I am doing great, thanks. And I got to tell you, when I read the notes, I started digging on that Canadian thing. I lost it. I thought that was pretty funny. So. I know, same. What people don't realize is I don't really pick a lot of the stuff that I talk about, like the political stuff, the AF segment. My editor does that. And yeah, this morning when I was looking over it briefly, I thought the same thing. Oh my God, I would have loved to have seen this actually in person. But we will get into that towards the end. Right now, I got to say, man, I'm on the struggle bus. I did my first workout class today. And after the last time I worked out, it was in October. And I feel like I got hit by a bus. I could totally just go to sleep right now. And yeah, I'm in pain. But it's just one of those things. It's really hard. (laughs) And the only reason why I say this is because I know it's so hard to get back on that wagon. Yeah. But once you do, you're so happy you did. If you guys are looking for a sign to go out, work out, get healthy, here's your sign. So go ahead and do it. Before we get into it, Smith & Wesson. If you're looking for a good solid AR-15, you need to check out the M&P 15 Sport 2. It's a rock solid and affordable AR that you can still find in today's crazy market, which let's face it right now, especially everyone once again is buying ARs. Mm-hmm. There's really nothing in stock and then let alone ARs, but I have been seeing the M&P 15 Sport 2s pop up, which is great. They've done a really good job of keeping up with production. It comes with standard AR furniture with a fixed front sight with a railed gas block and MOE handguard. You can also get it with a red dot from Crimson Trace, which by the way, Crimson oh. Trace stepped their freaking game up. I went last week to the facility in Missouri and they're coming out with 50 new optics. Wow. And that's a lot. Yeah, they're amazing. Also, when this show comes out the next day, which will be Tuesday. I'm actually flying to Florida to meet up with the guys at Smith & Wesson, Crimson Trace, and we have all kinds of events planned. They wouldn't tell me everything, but apparently I'm going hunting for alligators, which is going to be interesting because I've never gone hunting. And this When are trip, you doing that? On Tuesday. This Tuesday. Oh my gosh. Are I know. you going to Florida or Louisiana? Florida. Oh my God, how exciting. <laughs> I know, but this trip was supposed to happen last year. It got canceled because of COVID. So they're doing it again this year. And I am so stoked and also kind of terrified at the same time. But I think I've said this before. If I'm going to have to shoot my first animal, at least it's not a cute bunny. It's an alligator. Right. It'll be interesting to see what guns. I'm wondering if we're going to be using Smith & Wesson guns. But anyways, that m 15 Sport 2, you can get it anywhere from the MSRP's 750 to 815 on it, depending on the upgrades that you have on it. Check it out. That's at smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
Okay, getting into it. Carrie, I've wanted to have you on the show for a while. I've always kept up to date with a lot of the stuff that you're doing, and you're just a really strong voice in the gun community, which I think we definitely need. But for those who aren't familiar with you, tell us a little bit about yourself, what it is that you do in this industry. Uh, other than making a lot of people mad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because I seem to be pretty good at that. I got thrown into this a couple of years ago and I've always been pro, you know, I'm a hardline constitutionalist, always have been. So it wasn't anything that I had to change a mindset about in terms of being a Second Amendment absolutionist. But I found that a lot of women are really becoming victims, not only of domestic violence or sexual assault or what have you, they're a victim of the culture of victim mentality that we have. And that's being perpetuated from all different areas. It's being perpetuated from culture, social media, their people's circles, but also government, whether at the local, state, or federal level, where they encourage women to be victims, essentially, instead of learning to embrace their inalienable right of self-defense. And I realized that something needed to happen there. And while, like I said, I love guns and stuff, I also realized I've been in the, my, my past life is... Day spa. I own a day spa. I've been in the business of, of beauty and women for 26 years. And so I came into this with a little bit of a different headspace about women and how women think and how they understand things, especially across the political spectrum, you know, not just the more, I guess, stereotypical, for lack of a better term, really conservative gun owner. Mm-hmm. And understood that if we're going to get them to even to purchase a gun at some point and learn how to use a gun, we can't lead with the gun with some of them. And that has ended up being a successful concept that moving forward into helping women learn self-defense is I bring them in and I teach them defensive mindset through my organization, We the Female. It's a nonprofit organization. And kind of our motto or mission statement or what have you is we arm the women with education, confidence, and self-defense. Because a lot of times women are scared of guns that Mm -hmm. have never touched a gun. And as soon as we can give them the education, then they've got the self-confidence to be able to move forward with self-defense. So it's baby steps and it's been proving to be very, very successful. I've had women come and take that defensive mindset class here in my area, ended up becoming a firearms instructor. I know we'll probably talk about that in a little bit. And last year I taught 77 women and 60 of them had never touched a firearm. Wow. That's really impressive. Do you only teach women or or guys? I don't teach, I I do teach men as well. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I did have a gentleman that was actually in my class last year that had never held a gun, which was, was cool as well. Older gentleman, but yeah, I primarily focus on women and my, you know, I'm, I am no tactical anything, right? I mean, my training is still much greener than a lot of instructors and educators out there in firearms specifically. Um, My lane is definitely more defensive mindset, situational awareness and and assessment, threat assessment. But hey, that's like my husband is a field expert in that. And so that's been our culture and our lifestyle forever. So I teach that. And that's my favorite. I love teaching that. But the women that I end up working with, like I said, a lot of them have never touched a gun, but mine often are, they've had some sort of abuse in their past. They tend to seek me out if this has been a situation for them. And oftentimes I have women start crying as soon as it's time to step on the line and do live fire. So one of the things that I really feel that I've come to discover and feel, and and it's interesting because people that are instructors, you know, full-time instructors that aren't necessarily heavily active in the community for whatever that means. And I I think you understand what I mean by that Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of instructors that are out there just doing it, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and going at it. I brought up one time to several of them in a conversation that it seems to be a fundamental lack of human empathy mm-hmm. toward the fear that women have about guns. 
And there's a lot of, and I see this all the time for men and women, we just need to learn how to listen to them. That's, it's bigger than that. It's bigger. You need to be able to identify ahead of time, non-verbals even about how they're acting, their body language and such, and understand that while she may tell you she's never been in a domestic violence situation, some of that body language is telling you subconsciously that she's probably been in a situation as a child where somebody scared her with a gun or her dad had one. And for like one of my students that she started crying and, you know, I stopped and we got her back together. Her grandfather handed her a revolver when she was a little kid, well, 357, and it knocked her on her butt and scared her. And mm-hmm. she hadn't touched a gun since. So people don't realize that those traumas will affect even subconsciously how people act, but particularly women um, Mm -hmm. in a culture that's already teaching us that we shouldn't defend ourselves and that, you know, hell, even the gun industry itself is, and you know, this notorious for still being super crappy to women. Mm -hmm. And it certainly, you know, that, that does not help bring women forward to want to come forward to arm themselves. I always tell people, you know, I'm all about free speech, all about free speech, but the second amendment does not affect the consequences that you must face because of exercising your free speech. One of those is oftentimes there are women that watch these Facebook groups and these Instagram social media pages and these platforms and so on. And they're watching. Obviously, they have interest in and somehow they're looking to find a way to come forward because they're ready to take responsibility for their own self-defense. But they see crappy comments in the comment sections and they back out and they don't want to come forward. Mm -hmm. So... I just tell people, just be conscious of that and just be aware and don't talk down to people. And, and, you know, men are definitely still, sorry guys, but y'all are still really guilty of it. And if you're getting super defensive, maybe you need to have a little introspection <laughs> on that, you know, uh, you know, cause there's definitely some guys get it, you know, because they've worked with women that have had those experiences. And then some guys just get super defensive, but yeah. uh, you know, there's women that do it too, you know, mm-hmm. and try to woman'splain <laughs> to other ladies as well. So you know, that's, that's one of my big things. Just be, be conscious of that. We're in a new communication world with social media and the accessibility to the gun industry and community. And that's great, but it can also be a detriment. Absolutely. You're a survivor of domestic violence. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience and how it changed things for you? You mentioned that you pay attention to people's body language. And yeah. I would assume that unless you were also in a similar situation that you wouldn't really look for those cues. Correct. And it's interesting because especially lately, there's been some stuff kind of floating around regarding this. And I don't know if you've seen it where there's a lot of people that say, well, you can either live in victimhood or you can be a survivor. Which do you want it to be? And while I get that as a survivor, when you're dealing with someone that's got traumas, particularly from something like domestic violence or child abuse, it's a different mindset. And part of that is actual biological. I don't want to get too far down that rabbit hole, but the brain actually PTSD makes the brain rewire itself so that it actually protects itself against what it perceives to be a threat or abuse. And so you'll see abuse victims react. They'll do two things. They'll either, well, usually, I shouldn't say always, but more often than not, they'll do two things. They'll either cower and corner and be scared, or they'll be very vicious, right? They'll come out fighting because they're trying to protect themselves. (laughs) And whether that's with their words, usually with their words. And so one of the things that frustrates me about the industry is that lack of connection to that. And definitely, like you said, and I'll get back to my experience with that in a minute, but this is important for me and my platform for people to understand this. And women in the industry can be really bad about this as well as men. Just because they're trying to explain to you that you perceive them acting with victim mentality, there's probably some trauma there. 
Mm-hmm. And the people that are very, well, you just need to get over it and move on or, and be a survivor. Those are typically people that have never had to experience any level of severe or any PTSD. Because if you have, you would get it on a different level. So that's a really frustrating disconnect in the industry that I deal with. I kind of almost feel like I fight both fronts. Mm-hmm. Like I, I have to fight in the anti-gun side uh, get where they use domestic violence victims as pawns for gun control. We're, we're a big one. And then the other side where they're like, well, everybody just needs to be armed and you just need to get over it. And I'm like, that's eh. <laughs> not helping either. So um, I was in a domestic situation for years. He hit me the first time a year in-ish. And I said, I don't remember. It's been that long ago. But I said, if you ever hit me again, you're going to jail. And several years later, and we were divorcing. And I had already moved in. I'd purchased a condo and already moved in on my own. And he had come to my place on Thanksgiving. and got drunk, apparently had been on meds that I wasn't privy to because I wasn't living with him at that time and thought I hid his keys from him and they had fallen. He had pitched them on a table and they had fallen off the table between the sofa and the table mm-hmm. and kind of bounced under the sofa. And he thought that I was hiding them from him to keep him there and proceeded to beat the hell out of me off and on for three hours as he looked for his keys, came back, beat the shit out of me, looked for his keys, beat the shit out of me until I gave him his keys and literally taunted me with it too. You know, it was the I'm going to keep beating you until you give me my keys. And I'm like, I don't have your keys. And he was convinced, right? Because for all of those reasons, there are prescription drugs and the alcohol and just that sociopathic mindset. Mm-hmm. And he just kept going. So I called the cops and they showed up and I was going to testify. I was ready to testify against him in court. They charged him with a, this, this, if nothing should piss you guys off about domestic violence and, and the broken justice system. This is my personal experience with it. And I am not alone. I don't know if you know Nikki Gozer. I mean, she obviously has, you know, a whole other story with that, with a stalker, but they charged him with a felony assault, felony domestic disturbance assault or something like that. And a DUI. So that was Thanksgiving. So the arraignment, it's a delay over a holiday. So the following Monday, I go in, I meet with the prosecutor, female prosecutor, and she sits down with me and they dropped the DUI charge, which pissed me off. Mm-hmm. And then they dropped the felony assault charge to class C, A, class A misdemeanor. And I asked her why. And she said the reason that he was, that he was held on a felony charge was because I was bloody. It was blood all over my face when the cop showed up. But after the investigation, that he didn't use a physical weapon on me. Wow. And so therefore they were dropping the charge. And I said, why are you doing that? And I'm willing to testify against him. You know, I don't want him doing this to other people. Mm-hmm. And this female prosecutor looked at me and she said, are you sure that you want to do that? And I was nonplussed. And I just couldn't believe that this woman, no less, asked mm-hmm. me this. And I said, yeah, I, I really don't want him ever doing this to someone again. And she says, well, victims usually don't want to testify. And so we really are reluctant to put them on the stand because we don't want, and she just goes off into this, you know, canned speech about this. And I said, well, that's not the case. And mind you, I'm sitting in front of her black and blue you know, um, yeah. swollen face. Uh, at that point, I think that was Monday morning was the first. So that happened on Thursday night when he had beat the hell out of me. Monday morning was the first time I was actually able to eat something semi-solid food-wise because my teeth had been fractured and my mouth was all cut up and stuff. Wow. Among other, you know, I was beat head to toe, but so I was sitting in front of her black and blue. I mean, just that's when the bruises had come up and I was looking at handprints on my neck and stuff and fingerprints on my chest. And uh, I was stunned that she wasn't, going to charge him this way. And so really what I came to realize in that moment was that they don't give a crap about victims. Prosecutors could care less about justice for a victim. 
they only care about their win and loss records for the most part. And I mean, maybe in a small town or something, I do know a couple of, you know, small town people out near where I live. It's a little bit different, but for the most part, they don't, they don't give shit. And they, the bigger cities, when it becomes a political, you know, move, it's even worse. So yeah, he got off with a, what's called a diversion agreement. So he had to be on probation for, I don't know how many, two, three years, whatever it was, and had to go through this counseling and, and all this kind of stuff. Well, the counselors are a joke. I, that's a whole other conversation, but and that was it. And then he had a restraining order. So he had a full-time job, but conveniently took a part-time job as a pizza delivery driver. Of course, blaming me, it was my fault that he had to do that because he had to pay for a lawyer now for the divorce. So that was my fault too. And you know, this is the way they are. And, you know, and I put him in jail. So how dare I put him in jail? And uh, this, is the, this is legitimately the way these guys think. It's not a joke. Narcissists and, and sociopaths truly, truly believe that they are the victims of the people they abuse. Mm-hmm. So he took this job delivering pizzas and it took me a couple of years afterward before I was able to connect it, right? Because the trauma was so bad that I, I wasn't sleeping at night. I mean, all the little details of stuff. And I was more focused on getting custody of my daughter, you know, so on and so forth. But it hit me. I was like, crap, he took that job to stalk me because he knew where I was at all times. And I could not figure out how he was able to, you know, I just didn't make the connection at that time because I had so much other stuff going on mentally. But, you know, and then I realized, oh my gosh, that's exactly what it was. So he used that job as a justification to be in areas that I was in Mm -hmm. and knew that's the problem with that sociopathic tendency and narcissism is that they know what they can get away with. And he played right to that rule, right up to that line without breaking it and was still able to really harass me. And that's when I realized, man, they're not going to save me Mm -hmm. at all. The cops told me when he was released from jail. They asked me, they said, do you have a place that you can go for two or three days after, you know, he's released today? And I said, yeah, why? And they said, because the likelihood of an escalated violent attack was significantly higher once they came out of jail and they were mad, you know, because I put him there, right? According to him in his mind, he, you know, I did that to him. So the chances of him attacking me and obviously killing me at that point, realistically, looking back and watching the pattern of domestic violence and murders, that's when the crime, that's when that extra violent, you know, that escalated violence usually happens. So, mm-hmm. but they didn't ask me if I knew how to defend myself. They didn't ask me if I had a gun. They didn't ask me, which I, I'm sure it changes by states, right? I've got a thing and I've got 911 calls and my fundamentals, my firearm fundamentals class. And one of them is definitely from the South. And one of them is definitely not <laughs> the difference between the 911 operators, you know, is very different, you know, from the one where they tell the girl to hide. And the other one asked her if she's got a gun. <laughs> so I, I definitely think that that, you know, changes by states. But here in Washington state, you know, they don't like guns. Yeah. So they asked me if I could go hide. Wow. And yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. So it's like I, I talk about things, you know, a lot of times in my speeches or stuff I've written. I'm like, you know, I'm lucky that I'm alive. Yeah. After he stalked me. But it makes me mad. And it's true. And I, I am lucky. But at the same time, it makes me furious that a woman has to say that because no woman or man really, you know, but, but no woman should ever have to say that she's lucky to be alive because her stalker didn't, uh, or abuser or whatever, didn't choose to escalate. Yeah, exactly. I agree. And that's our culture of victim. That's one, one component of the root of our culture of victim mentality that continues to to keep women in that cycle. Mm -hmm. It's pretty sad. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I'm going to take a quick break real quick. Talk about SB tactical.
Guys, if you have the CZ Scorpion Evo pistol, you need to check out the SBTEVO brace from SB Tactical. It's one of the most popular braces for the Scorpion pistol since it's a side folder that gives you the most compact collapse package. The folding mechanism is super easy to install and gives you a quick to deploy brace that's rock solid with a fixed length of 10.2 inches. You can get those in black or flat dark earth and the complete kit is $249.99, but obviously you're going to use the code GUNFUNNY15. That gets you 15% off and that is at sb-tactical.com. So Carrie, let's talk about, I almost hate asking this because I never ask a man. So what's it like being a male in the firearms industry? <laughs> and I get this question all the time too. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. But I do want to address it because you've definitely kind of experienced your fair share. Like you said, starting the show, you piss a lot of people off. You're definitely <laughs> you're definitely not quiet about things, you know, and you express how you feel. <laughs> I'm sorry, it gave me the giggle. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Yeah, I'm, you know. I'm coming in with a whole different, you know, and I, I tend to have a, I don't know that necessarily a typical attitude about self-defense and the second amendment and, and the constitution and stuff. than a lot of women, I, I just um, maybe more vocal about it too, but I'm not ultra conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not liberal at all. I hate, I hate them all. Like I hate Republicans and Democrats equally. And I'm not even libertarian. I mean, libertarians, Hey, libertarians out there, if you guys could uh, stop arguing over who's more libertarian than the other on the internet, you might get somewhere. <laughs> so, you know, I don't like any parties and, and I'm a huge, huge, huge history nerd, particularly revolutionary war history. And I teach it a lot, actually, side note, I've come to find my followers really like it. And I do a lot of live streaming and, and posts about history and love to relate it to what's going on today in our world. But I have a very hardline, uncompromising attitude toward gun rights in in general. There is no compromise. You know, there isn't any. And had I, you know, been in this fight years ago, I certainly would have been fighting hard against anything that was put in place years ago. I just, I wasn't in this world Mm -hmm. to do it. But now that I'm here, I'm absolutely going to take that stand. So there is no, for me, there is no working with anybody that has any sort of waiver on that at all, mm-hmm. you know, period, period. I also absolutely will not work with people that are complicit with those that do support it. Mm-hmm. Because to me, what's the priority? Is it the rights or is it you getting along with everybody? Because last time I checked, Sons of Liberty pissed off a lot of people and a lot of people out there, you know, worship the founding fathers and the and, and praise them and, and the Sons of Liberty, but they weren't everybody's friend. So I'm very extreme in my very hard line. And uncompromising, not only about gun rights and constitutional rights, it's actually there are inalienable rights guaranteed by the Constitution, but also those who, in any capacity whatsoever, support any sort of law that inhibits the exercise of that fundamental human right for people, particularly for women and self-defense. And because of that, I have definitely made um, some enemies in the industry, and I don't lose sleep over it. But I think one of my favorite things is when people ask me about the gun industry, because I'm so unapologetic, because I'm out there, is, you know, Carrie, if you weren't so harsh and abrasive, you might have more (laughs) opportunities to speak about this. And my favorite is, you know, the ones that are saying this are the very conservative ladies, which the conservatives, let's be honest, the Republicans and the conservatives, for better or worse, or what have you, you know, the Republican side for the most part, has controlled the gun rights narrative since as long as we can remember. And so anything that, you know, there's a lot of this, we need to, you know, be more inclusive and invite everybody in. 
until you question them or don't do it the way they want you to. Mm-hmm. And that's something, have you noticed that? I don't know if you've noticed that, but, mm-hmm. um, or if you want to stay, but you don't want to answer, that's fine too. But, and I don't care. So I've actually called a few people on this. I'm like, so, but you're telling me I'm harsh and abrasive, but you voted for Trump. Well, that, that's, that's different. Tell me how that's different. Crickets, you know, of course. I say, so are you actually justifying my argument why we still need real feminism, not feminazism, but, you know, real, because it's okay for him to be unapologetic and in your face and abrasive, but not okay for me as a woman. They usually don't have an answer. So, (laughs) which is interesting. But what I have noticed is because I bring in this conversation in a different way about domestic violence and gun rights. And there's a lot of, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of great advocates out there and, and some that are domestic violence survivors and stalker, you know, they've, they've all had their experiences. I just won't play in, I don't color in the lines mm-hmm. the way a lot of them do. So for better or worse, it either gets me heard or I get shut down. The advantage is, is that it's getting me heard in the areas where it desperately needs to be heard. And that's not in the gun industry. Mm-hmm. And that's what matters to me mm-hmm. because it's not about being liked in the industry. For me, it's not about being liked in the community. For me, it's about inspiring another woman to come forward and be ready to defend herself and not placate those whose feelings might be hurt because I've called them out on on not being as assertive about certain things in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I don't lose sleep over it. I had a lady, I'm going to read this to you here. I did a live stream recently talking about a lot of my frustrations about the way I'm treated in the industry for calling out abusive men in the industry and the control of, of people because they don't like how you talk you know, they don't want to work with you. And this lady, I get this DM and she says, I just finished catching up on your live stream on here today. And honestly, it had me in tears. I've spent so many, so many years of my life being a victim of narcissistic assholes, exactly like you were talking about. And because of your video today, I'm going to start looking into the process of buying my first gun and training. So there you have it. So it just took her hearing another woman stand up against that. Mm -hmm and be ready to do this. Now, interestingly enough, I have her whole backstory. This I want to share this because this is really fun and you can edit it if you want, but <laughs> this made me cry. So she turns out, she is also a victim of something I hear about all the time in the industry. She was a domestic violence victim who fought back, ended up at one point, was terrified that she was going to die. And she started fighting back, like physically fought back. And he called the cops on her and she ended up catching charges. Wow. And that that's not as uncommon as you think, which mm-hmm. is should I hope that pisses you all off because it should. Mm-hmm. And she said, yeah, I, I want to do this. She goes, but for me, you know, I said, I'll come. She lives. She's down in Portland. So God knows she needs a gun Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> down there in that mess. So she's about two and a half hours away from me. And I, I said, I'll come down and we'll go shopping because she'd had bad experiences in stores. Gee, where have we heard that before? Yeah. And she says, well, I can't get a gun. I've got to see if I can get my rights back. And I said, well, I'll, we'll work on that too. So my organization will help you do that. Well, it turns out because she's naive and doesn't understand the system and they preyed on that. She only has a misdemeanor from a diversion. So kind of like what my ex went through. So she doesn't have a felony on her record. And I told her today, once I I went through, she goes, really, really? And, you know, and she got all excited and I said, yeah, honey, you're not prohibited. And so I thought she was going to cry. Maybe she did after she got the phone. I don't know, but yeah. So we're going to be able to get her that training and stuff because she just needed somebody that not only obviously inspired her to come forward, but then was able to guide her through that. Mm And I don't see that. And, and, you know, Ava, if I'm, please correct me if I'm wrong. If that is happening somewhere else in the industry, by all means, let me know. I just, I, I'm not saying it to that level where we literally will hold, you know, victims' hands and walk them through the process if we need to. Mm-hmm. Yes, now we have another woman that will be armed and yeah. able to protect herself. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's great. 
okay, so you've mentioned you're from Washington State, where the initiative mm-hmm. was the 1639 passed a couple of years ago. I know you've been really vocal about the dangers of it, and <laughs> I've talked about it before, but can you give us a quick synopsis of it and how the fight against it is going? Sure. So it's one of the, not that most bills aren't terribly written, and particularly gun control laws. But this one in particular, the writing of it was terrible. And and what it was, in short, is everything that had been failed gun legislation in Washington State had been thrown into one bill, and the state sat on it until the right opportunity happened and enter Parkland, the Parkland shooting. And I don't even think it was a month later, This miraculously, this bill shows up, and it was 1639. And there's a couple of things that I've come to discover through all of this that really there's a disconnect. And this is in and out of the industry, gun community, in and out of it is that there's a lot of people that don't understand how to read legislation that's done on purpose. Mm -hmm. They make it intentionally confusing, but a lot of people just even just willfully don't choose to to read it and understand it. But more importantly, a lot of people don't understand policy in the game of policy. And sometimes it's not how a bill is written, it's how they're not written that gets us in trouble. So this one had a bunch of stuff thrown into it. It redefined what an assault weapon is. So then later on, they could come and hit people with a, with AWBs by redefining what guns are. But the big one that threw me into this and that everybody should be paying attention to right now because the spotlight is on it nationally and, and Washington State was the first, don't quote me on this, I'm, but I, from what I understand, Washington State was the first to do this. I, I could be wrong about that. There's a lot of laws to keep up with <laughs> oh, <I laughs> across know. the country. But now when you sign the 4473, that form that people think doesn't exist because <laughs> you, know, you could just go buy them again, like an orange at the grocery store. <laughs> um, that 44, I had somebody say that to me one time. 73, with the minute that you put your name on it, it's an automatic waiver of your medical record in Washington state. Wow. So that they, right. So that they can do a mental health or whatever, right. It's, it's to, to, they can look at your, your health record. Yeah. Including your mental health record. And that's all it says. And that they will set up a committee to be able to determine a later date, right? So, but now, once that was approved, now it opened the gate for them to do whatever they want with it because people didn't, A, didn't read it, and B, didn't understand what it didn't say and what that allowed. The problem with something like that is for someone like me, who did what she was supposed to do as a domestic violence survivor and went through therapy for PTSD, I was diagnosed with PTSD, I could potentially be denied the purchase of a firearm now simply because I have PTSD on my medical record. Now, yes, it's 14, 15 years old, mm-hmm. but because there's no criteria written in there about, about how far back they'll look, they can look every year going ahead. They can look indiscriminately anytime they want. There's nothing in there provisionary wise in terms of medications. A lot of smoking cessation drugs are classified as antidepressants. My girlfriend had breast cancer. And one of the medications that she had to take was classified in the antidepressant category. And I spoke out about that. And I said, do you realize when it passed? And it was interesting because I actually had, and this is going to sound cheesy to a lot of people that that really don't understand, but when I woke up and the next morning after that passed, I had an anxiety attack and started crying as I typed out this message on my, and I put it on my Facebook page at first. said, you know, to those of you that voted for this, let me just tell you what you just did to me. Mm -hmm. And thousands of other, not just me, you know, but thousands of other domestic violence victims in Washington state. And I explained it. I said, you know, you you put us in a position that we may not be able to potentially defend ourselves against our abusers when they show back up. And the messages that came in from my friends and everybody in my community, you know, here locally, were like, oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, because you didn't read it. Yeah. 
you bought the bullshit that, sorry, I hope that was okay. That you, I'm totally filtering too. But (laughs) (laughs) I said, you bought all the bullshit that they gave you in the marketing, the hundreds of millions of dollars that was spent by Paul Allen, the owner of the CEO, you know, Mm -hmm. dead now, but among others to enact this law. And you believed all that, not understanding, not taking the time to understand the ramifications because you just, we needed to do something and keeping guns out of the hands of the mentally ill seemed like a good idea. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, PTSD, right? The magic for that is veterans, right? They always, you know, we're like to veterans, but PTSD, anybody can have it for lots of different reasons. But one of the other biggest demographics are, are sexual assault and domestic violence and child abuse. Mm-hmm. And so they're putting them in that position now where at any given time, Washington state may decide once they get their act together or whatever, and if they do, they don't or whatever, to create this committee that can then deny people based on their arbitrary decisions. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And of course, what happens a year later, they passed a red flag law bill. And this goes into the policy. And I geek out about law (laughs) and political science and stuff. And it was actually what I wanted to do in college was to be an attorney. So I really get into this kind of geeky stuff. Here's the bigger thing. If people think for a minute that they didn't pass that red flag law confidently on the heels of this 1639 with this mental health check in it to piggyback them, people have lost their minds, mm-hmm. right? Because if you now, if, if they just, they decide to deny you the purchase of a firearm moving forward, if you think that's not going to put you in their system to be red flagged, for anything else that you may already have, boy, you're incredibly naive. Yeah. So they literally set themselves up not only to deny you future purchases, but to also come and take what you already have. Mm-hmm. Right. And so everybody, a lot of people focused on the redefinition of the assault weapons. And there was a few other provisions in there too. My favorite is the, it is now required for you to keep your firearms and safe storage in your home. This was in 1639 too. And everybody's like, okay, so... <laughs> What does that mean? Yeah. And of course, there was no criteria about that. Exactly. That's actually and, getting passed right now in Colorado. Yeah. And it's in a lot of other states too, which yeah. I just, ay, 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 which is probably, you'll have to tell me in Colorado if this is part of it. Here, if somebody breaks into your home and steals a firearm from your home and you didn't have it safely secured, whatever that means, uh, arbitrary decision again, mm-hmm. now you can be charged with a felony. Yep. I think so, you know, I think that's part of that whole Colorado, California, Oregon, Washington, the whole pack they've got. I don't yeah. know if y'all know about that. But there's this like West Coast pack, which is, by the way, violates the Constitution, yeah. uh, the federal Constitution, but nobody seems to either a know enough about it or give a shit to do anything about it. But yeah, so now we're in those positions, too. And so 1639 is a mess. And there's two lawsuits open against it. Dan Mitchell, that owns Sporting Systems, who is an absolute beast and hero, gun rights hero here in Washington state. He is suing the NRA, I think, uh, not NRA, well, NRA might be involved in that one, but the Second Amendment Foundation are representing him and they're suing on the constitutionality of that at the federal level. And GOA called me last year and said, hey, we've got some technicalities in here. Do you want to be our plaintiff? And, and you know, my friend, John Crump, who works for GOA, he, I, he didn't get the sentence out. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, uh, is this a trick question? Yes. Put me on that. He says, are you sure? Because there's ram- there'll be ramifications to my name on this, whether good or bad. You yeah. know? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Eat, sleep, sue the government, man. I'm all over it. Yeah. So interestingly enough, we just had a hearing, eh, I guess not just a couple weeks ago at Superior Court. And the judge ruled in favor of, he didn't, let me rephrase that. He agreed with us 
that whatever it was that was in there didn't fit the, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep this from too much of the legalese, but essentially agreed with us that yes, this was not put forward constitutionally. However, he wouldn't make a ruling on it, which I thought was a little chicken shit on his yeah, part. Yeah, no kidding. That being said, because of it being a straight constitutional issue, in his mind, it may have been a jurisdiction issue for him and, and felt it needed to go to the Supreme Court. I, who knows, right? I mean, I'm not going to get in all that. Mm-hmm. It's not worth my time. But we are going to the Washington State Supreme Court. Nice. And Well, and, and based on that coming up, and they use the Mawberry case. If people don't know what that is, you should look back their history because it is a gold standard that's used. I believe it was actually used. It's been used several times in SCOTUS. And SCOTUS tends to favor it. And it's actually John Adams and Thomas Jefferson old school stuff is what that case is from. And that is cited in my, my case. So if for whatever reason, and I think it was done on purpose, if for whatever reason this gets shot down at the Supreme Court, I'm thinking that my attorney did that to set it up to maybe petition to have it heard at SCOTUS. I don't know. I'm hoping it never gets there, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. it's always cool, right? Everybody always thinks, oh my God, you're going to go to SCOTUS. That's amazing, right? That's, that's a lot to take on. Mm-hmm. You know, not just for me, but for gun owners of America too. And and so, you know, obviously you want it knocked out as soon as you can get it knocked out. You don't have to keep fighting. Yeah. And those laws stay in place until you do. That's true. So that's kind of where we're sitting. And I just got that email last week that we're going to the Washington State Supreme Court. Wow. Pretty crazy. Just because we're running out of time. Do you have sure. any future plans that you can share with listeners? Yeah, we've developed, I've got a couple of things happening. One of them I was chatting with you briefly about before we came on. I have partnered with Rainier Arms, their firearm training center in Wichita and U.S. Law Shield. And we have developed the first of its kind one-day training event for women. Men can attend too, but it's, it's definitely women-centric around defensive mindset and starting for women to help get them comfortable beginning their journey with self-defense. So it's a one-day event where we have someone we have an attorney come in from U.S. Law Shield, and he speaks about self-defense laws, gun laws, and self-defense law, mm-hmm. use of force, and, and so on. I teach defensive mindset, situational awareness, how to help women start to plant the seeds to reset their minds around living in the mindset of not putting themselves in a situation to need to defend themselves to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then we talk about self-defense options and what's best for women. You know, I believe everybody should have a gun. I love guns. <laughs> Never had a problem with guns. I grew up around them. I think they're great. So that's never been an issue for me, but not everybody's in that space. And we need to be careful about that. Not And so when we say everybody needs a gun, that's infringing on their right of choice. <laughs> and not all women are going to be comfortable with a gun or men even, and that's okay. But we want women to be able to embrace self-defense and whatever that means for them. And of course, the core of that is always in never putting yourself in that situation to begin with. <laughs> And then we have a female Brazilian jiu-jitsu instructor coming in to introduce women to explore hand-to-hand and empty-hand combat and learn self-defense, grappling, and so on and so forth. So we're really excited about this event. We're getting a lot of crazy positive buzz about it from all over the country, other, other people in other states asking to bring it there. So if this goes as we're expecting it to, it's very likely we're going to be taking this training event national and, nice. and bringing it to other states. Yeah, I'm super excited about yeah, it. I no think kidding. it's a really cool concept. And now it gives us the bridge, right, between the community mm-hmm. and the gun industry. Mm-hmm. And, and now we've got a bridge that we can start introducing people and saying, see, we're not all these crazy gun nuts that the media makes us out to be. We're moms. Yeah. We're dads. We're teachers. We're not that person. Yeah. And this is a really great way to do it. And I really am 
optimistic that this is going to be a huge moment for change for gun ownership in America. Yeah, absolutely. If people want to attend that event or they're interested in hosting one in their state, how can they do so? Reach out to me and I can send you the link. The link is private for another two weeks because the way U.S. Law Shield is handling the link on that. Yeah. But they can reach out to me directly. You can reach me at we the female official at gmail.com. That's my personal direct email. Or you can email us at info at wethefemale.net and I can get you a link. Also, if you go to my social media, particularly on Instagram, I have a link tree in there. I know I think your producer asked for that link tree. There is a registration direct link in that as well. Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, I'm excited for you. And I think that this is definitely a step in the right direction. And I hope that you guys run with it and you're able to host all over the nation. And also that aside, I'm also just really appreciative of everything that you're doing for the community. And again, having that strong voice, some people might hate it. Some people might love it, but I think that you're doing the right thing. If that means anything. (laughs) (laughs) No, it, it does mean a lot, especially coming from another woman in the industry. And there's been a couple of you that have reached out and mention that because I take a lot of heat from the ladies as well. And I don't care. I'm still going to do what I do, Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just that way. But it is nice to have regardless. And we can all sit and talk tough all we want. Right. But at the end of the day, we're also humans mm-hmm. and we also have feelings and people forget that. Mm-hmm. And even the toughest of us still are humans with feelings. Yeah. And so it is nice to know that there are women out there in the industry slash community, which have you that see this and see the importance of what I'm doing and even if they may not like my tactic or approach that they can still appreciate where it's coming from and and what the mission is about and are willing to call me and help raise that voice for women as opposed to not wanting to play with me in the sandbox. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, moving forward, IWI. If you're a fan of the CZ75 style design, you should check out the Jericho 941 from IWI. The action is based on the same recoil system, which allows the same condition one carried with cocked and locked single action or a hammered down double action. You can get the compact or full size bolts in steel frame, so they're super rugged and very mild to shoot with the extra weight of the frame. They come with two 16 round mags or a 10 round mag, depending on the state and adjustable sights. MSRP on those is $655. You can check those out at IWI.us. While you're there, if you find any accessories in the web store that you like, use the code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off. And again, that is at IWI.us. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Democrats are pushing to pack the Supreme Court. On April 9th, Biden signed an executive order to create a commission to study how to reform the Supreme Court. In spite of his previous statement years ago against court packing when Republicans were in charge, now that the Democrats are in power, it's full speed ahead. The supposedly quote-unquote bipartisan commission has a three-to-one ratio of liberals to conservatives. It's pretty obvious which way the recommendations for reforms are going. The commission's role is to explore, quote, the court's role in the constitutional system, the length of service and turnover of justices on the court, the membership and size of the court, and the court's case selection rules and practices. The 180-day commission isn't fast enough to pack the courts for some Democrats, though. Congressman Jerry Needler, Congressman Jerry Needler, I know. 
It's Nadler. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. I can't stand that dude. <laughs> I know. Congressman Jerry Nadler and Senator Markey introduced a bill on Wednesday to increase the Supreme Court to 13 justices. With the current makeup of the court and Biden-Harris picking them, this would ensure liberal majority on all cases for years. Surprisingly, the House Speaker Pelosi said that she would not bring the bill to the floor. However, we know she supports the idea and is just waiting for the result of the presidential commission to give the idea an air of legitimacy. This is definitely probably one of the most dangerous things happening right now to the Republic. They're mm-hmm. literally trying to rig the system of checks and balances. Yeah. And <laughs> this is bad news for gun owners. I know. It's bad news altogether. If nothing else, they're just constantly breaking the law, rewriting the law, dismissing anything that our founding fathers built on and what the hell is happening and how is this even able to happen? Did you see Rashida Tlaib's tweet about this? No. What did she say? She's, oh my gosh, it was one of those moments where I had to like get in a Zen space, man, because I could have, if she'd been standing in front of me, I don't know, I'll say this publicly, but let's just say I was pissed. She says, I've got the tweet right here, actually. Republicans damaged the Supreme Court and stole the majority. Let me read that again. Republicans damaged the Supreme Court and stole the majority. It's time to expand the court to ensure we restore power to the people and bring justice to the people. Wow. So this is an individual who is an elected representative in Congress, United States Congress, who believes and I and people are like, oh, she does. She knows better. No, 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 no. She does. Like, they really believe yeah. that the Supreme Courts are political. I know. And that statement, whether in a Democrat or excuse me, a Republican saying that about Democrat, I would have been just as pissed because that is the nonpartisan, right? Mm-hmm. It's these politicians that have forced the hand of our legal system and our, our courts to become legislators from the bench. And that is a great example of how the mentality drives people. And so she's literally inciting people to believe and and knowing, right? She's banking on this, Ava. This is a great example of how we in general in America have become ignorant to the constitution and why the constitution was written. And that's how come they're able to get away with this as much as they are, because they bank on people not knowing. And that's a great example of it. I could go off for hours about that. That makes me crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. Yeah. When you first read it, I was like, wait, did you read that yeah. right? Because it took a second. Wait a minute. Trying to grasp what I just heard. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. freaking nuts. Yeah, they stole the majority. There oh, is no majority. That's actually one of the things I loved about ACB, by the way. You can edit this out if you want, but this woman is awesome. The fact that she called out the Republican senators for trying to, to spin her words, just like she called out the Dems in her hearing. Oh, mm-hmm. man, it was glorious. I love that woman. And it was really fun to watch her just annihilate them all. <laughs> but that's a great example of the derangement that these, yeah. the level is at. Yeah. I, yeah. It's just, it blows my mind that she literally thinks that there was a majority. I know. Political majority in, in SCOTUS. It's just, um, yeah. Yeah. It's insane. What is it insane though? Manicore arms. If you're looking for a foreign for an AR-15 build, right now you should check out the Transformer Rail from Manicore Arms, which I think we all know if you're building a gun because, oh, well, I can't buy one. All these ARs are out of stock. I'll just build one. Well, even parts right now are really hard to find. Although consistently, Manicore Arms has had their Transformer Rail in stock. It's one of my favorites. You can replace the little panels to M-Lock, key mod, any of that. So you could attach whatever accessory. So if you have an old accessory and then your new accessory has something else that it attaches. 
no big deal. Just switch out the panels, put on the correct panel that would go with that accessory. They have them in 13 inch, 15 inch. They range from $155 to $165. But remember, you're going to use the code AvaRocks15. I didn't pick it. I love it. it. (laughs) AvaRocks15, and that gets you 15% off. And that is at ManicoreArms.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's question, should I download AK-30 round mags to 28 to ensure reliability like with AR magazines? You are awesome, Ava. Well, thank you. This is something I kind of actually have touched upon this in my classes where for me personally with pistol magazines, A lot of these magazines, especially if they're quality magazines, they're made to withstand being loaded, obviously, to capacity, and you want it to be loaded to capacity, obviously, has its pros and cons. What I do, though, is a lot of people load their magazine, it's sitting there for a few years, and then when they need it, maybe the magazine that spring isn't working as well. And I'm sure that the magazines are made to withstand this, but I would hate for the possibility of a malfunctioning happen because my spring lost that, what is it called, that? not buoyancy, but you get what I'm saying. Every couple months, I just switch out my magazines. I typically keep two magazines loaded at a time, give that other magazine or those other two magazines a break. And then I'll even bring them all to the range, test fire, make sure that they're all working properly. As far as AK mags, though, the first thing to address is whether you need to download AR mags for reliability. In the early days of AR magazines, that wasn't a bad idea. Springs and mags have come a long way, though. So if you're buying quality mags, there's no reason to download the magazine for reliability. The reason you might want to download a magazine is so that it's easier to load with the bolt forward. And this also happens with pistol mags. Fully loaded mag might be tight enough that you don't get the mag inserted all the way and then it falls out of the ground or there may be enough pressure from the spring to cause that first round not to properly cycle, which has happened, especially with brand new magazines when everything's just super tight and you haven't worn it in. A lot of times if I load it to capacity that first round, it just won't cycle properly. I'd say the same thing applies for AK mags. If you're using good mags, long-term reliability, the mag isn't really the issue. It's whether the mag can be properly inserted and cycle when fully loaded. That's something that I would say, take your mags to the range and see if that's the case. Do you have anything that you'd like to add to that, Carrie? You know, I am completely on the page with you in terms of quality mags, or I think that's an important, that's a staple in my home. We don't, you know, that's not something we cut corners on. And for many reasons, that being one of them. But I just from a different perspective, the defensive perspective, particularly for women, you know, my AR is my choice for home defense for the multitude of reasons. And not just because it's easy for me to handle because I'm a girl. It's because if somebody busts in my house, you know, my husband used to deploy mm-hmm. and, and was gone all the time, you know. And so I was here with my daughter alone. And, you know, if I'm fumbling around in the middle of the night, I don't want to have to try to change mags and my, you know, my 365 or even. Yeah you know, my 509. So, or my, you know, my FN, which love that gun. But so for me, 30 round mag, you know, and I kept, I loaded all the time, chambered ready to go. So I, for me, needing quality mags that I can keep at capacity is a safety issue. So that's kind of my take on that. I don't subscribe to the, eh, only throw 28 in there. Yeah. Because yeah. I might need those last two against six guys busting in my house. Exactly. I agree. So. And also one thing that I will add is some magazines, I was doing a review on an AR pistol and it just kept having issues cycling. There'd be a double feed. What the hell is going on? And then I changed up the magazine. I wasn't having any more issues. So that's another thing to look into. 
not only does ammo play a role in you could put the most expensive ammo for whatever reason, that gun just doesn't like that ammo. It's not cycling. Same thing with the Mm -hmm. magazine. Make sure that everything's working flawlessly, especially if you're using it for self-defense. Can I add something to that briefly, just for any of your listeners that may be new to firearms, particularly the ladies that listen? Two years ago, I was on, we like shooting and they started talking guns and all this kind of stuff. And I was looking at him like, what? Know that if you're new to shooting and know that if you're new to gun, the gun world, or you're just beginning to maybe explore that. And we're having these conversations. Some of this stuff that Ava's even talking about is I'm still learning because rifles aren't as much as my lane. You will get there and don't be intimidated and don't be overwhelmed. You will get there because some of the, like, I would never have been able to understand the value of a 30 round. <laughs> A standard capacity magazine and the value that I had for self-defense two years ago, I wouldn't have been able to explain that. And let alone where Ava is with it, being able to explain these technical things and so on. So for those of you out there, particularly women, if you're new to this and you're new to guns or you're just beginning to consider getting there and you're hearing this, don't be intimidated. You'll get there and you'll learn. You'll be able to have these conversations as well soon enough. That's actually a really good point. And I think that That's one thing, especially when I'm teaching, I try to teach as if people just don't know anything. And even me, I'm learning with them. So the way I describe it, terminology, I'm not going to assume that they know certain terminology. Whereas I feel like on my podcast, I kind of missed that. As far as instructing, that's what I make sure I do. But podcast, I think that my listeners aren't as new to the gun industry. But then again, I've had a lot of people write in and say that this year is the first year they bought a gun. They were looking at podcasts. They stumbled upon mine. They've learned a lot. And so I really shouldn't just assume that people know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. And it's, well, and and you're right. It's easy to, and I love that you said that we all learn together because I find that I become better as I'm out there teaching, you know, and I don't teach above my pay grade. (laughs) You know, I'm not out there teaching tactical or anything because that's not what I'm good at, you know? So my vision is to get a woman to not cry and to be able to pull a trigger and to be able to learn how to cite and be Mm -hmm. able to know how to change a magazine and clear, you know, Yeah, and So I love watching them and I become a better instructor every time I teach a class because I get to learn little things or get to to do things differently or remind me once we're done, I'll tell you just a really funny story about locking slides back and (laughs) my husband. Yeah, but now you have to tell it because then the listeners are going to be like, well, we missed it. (laughs) So my husband, and this is real life stuff, right? I mean, and so you may get some comments about me being an idiot or whatever. So all you guys can suck it. But you know, the real life stuff, right? Let's let's talk about this, yeah. right? Because everybody in this industry, particularly the armchair buttholes that want to sit there and act like they know what they're talking about in their mom's basement, like to mansplain crap. Yeah. But I had to, and it's hard without doing a visual, but learning how to lock a slide back, right? And manipulating my hand around it and pushing it around it, you know, to get that slide mm-hmm. locked up. So I'm not teaching a class and I have a, a lady who has very tiny hands and she has rheumatoid arthritis because these are the people that I teach. Yeah. And she is just having a hell of a time sliding that slide back and, and getting that slide lock up and, and keeping, you know, to get it locked back. And <laughs> my husband's an RSO. He's a certified RSO. And so he comes out and actually RSOs with me. He's amazing with these ladies, which was a cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. But he walks over and he teaches her. He goes, here, why don't you do this? And he holds the slide lock up first and then pulls the slide back and it locks back. And I looked at him and I said, are you shitting me right now? <laughs> he looked at me and he said, yeah. And I said, like all these years I've been shooting, I never learned, push it up first and then rack it back to lock it. And he says, well, you just learn without it. So I didn't have to worry about it. I'm like, so I've been struggling <laughs> for all of these years and you didn't. And of course my students just thought it was, I mean, cause I, you know, I work it right. I, yeah. I demo with a VP nine SK, 
So, you know, I figured it out. It's not a big deal. And so I just never thought anything of it. But I was like, holy crap, I just learned something on my own range. Right. <laughs> I found how to lock a slide back. So, yeah, I love that we can all learn <laughs> as mm-hmm. we teach as well as be a student at the same time. No kidding. I know. Oh, man. And it took me so long to figure out how to rack the slide back and lock it back. And it was just a disaster. And now I don't have an issue at all, but it's more technique than anything. It is. And I have a Kimber. My first gun was a Kimber, like that 1911 platform. (laughs) Honestly, my husband says, we're going to change the spring because it is that tight. It is really, really tight. So I learned like that whole zigzag thing doesn't fly. So for my new people out there, I push down. I do the whole body weight, shoulder push down thing. And that, especially for my girls with rheumatoid arthritis, my ladies, that really helps them mm-hmm. to learn that, you know, use your shoulder and push down into the ground with that gun instead of trying to pull it back or zigzag it when they just don't have the hand strength. Mm-hmm. And right now that's still the only one. But that was another big one for me, that aha, when I learned how to use my body <laughs> instead of my arms to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> to rack them back. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. All right. So primary arms. I was on their website. Right now they have the Smith & Wesson M&P Shield 9 Plus in stock. If you guys Ooh. haven't checked out that gun, it's a game changer. It's not a game changer. I mean, it's comparable with the most popular concealed carry guns out there that you want something that has large capacity, but also comes in a small package. I personally really like it. It feels like you're shooting a full-size gun, but obviously it's not full-size. I would definitely recommend check that out. They're in stock right now as the show comes out. Keep that in mind. It's just a really nice gun. Like I said, it has a really nice trigger. I love the way that it shoots, super accurate. And you could also get it if you want to put a red dot on it with or without. There's two different options. But right now they are on sale for $529.99, which you can't really beat. And that is at primaryarms.com. While you're there, if you find a primary arms optic, if you use the code AVA, A-V-A, you will get a free scope mount with every primary arms optic. So keep that in mind, especially if you're in the market for optics. Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. Lone Wolf introduces the LTD9 pistol. And I'll be honest, I actually haven't heard too much from Lone Wolf in a while. I have one of their guns. They sent me a 10 millimeter, which I kind of, I don't love shooting that gun because the 10 millimeter, it's a polymer frame. It just kicks. It's not really as enjoyable, but I loved all of the different options that I had when choosing to make this gun. The slide cuts, they did uh, get tin coating on the slide, the trigger colors. There's just all kinds of options. So it was really cool. But Lone Wolf came out with the LTD9, which is similar in size to the Glock 19. It's made entirely from Lone Wolf parts. It, of course, mm-hmm. is compatible with many third and fourth generation Glock parts and uses Glock magazines. Out of the box, though, it comes with a number of upgrades that a very large amount of people do to their Glocks, even if you're not into that full Gucci build. The slide comes with two different options for slide cuts as well as aggressive front and rear serrations. It also comes in three ounces lighter than the Glock 19. One of the biggest things they've done is put more of a traditional grip angle on their frame, but they didn't stop there. They reduced the blockiness common to Glocks to enhance the ergonomics. It also comes with the extended slide controls and a magwell. 
The grip texture, while not stippled, is reportedly a bit better than the standard Glock texture. The trigger is reportedly similar to other Glock pattern pistols, which to say is a bit crunchy. If you're a bit of a trigger <laughs> snob. <laughs> I was trying to be quiet, but that's. <laughs> I know. But it's kind of true. People, okay, people use the term spongy. <laughs> people say spongy, but crunchy, yeah, spongy, crunchy. same diff. <laughs> I totally identified with that. That was funny. I apologize. You can't tell me that when I didn't say scrunchy that you just envisioned exactly what it feels like to pull a Glock trigger. <laughs> that's exactly what I visualized. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's super funny. <laughs> And then a lot of people have said, once they have their hands on it, that it's really reliable. I can't attest to that. I haven't gotten my hands on one, but I did have really good luck as far as reliability with the one that they sent me. Altogether, the Complete Firearm has an MSRP of $700, which when you consider the cost of adding a magwell, extended slide controls, slide cuts to a standard Glock, it's actually pretty affordable. Just the slide cuts alone used to be a few hundred dollars. If you're into that, check it out, lonewolfdist.com as in distributors. Wish I had a coupon code, but these Tacti Talk things, it's not sponsored. I just pick whatever comes out. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Carrie, this is your favorite one. This is the one that you've been wanting to talk about since the show started. <laughs> <laughs> And actually, I have no idea how to pronounce any of these people's names because this is talking about Canada here. Just bear with me. But doesn't matter. I'm totally they, going they, to. The only reason they're their own country is because we let them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Some guy named William Amos, Amos, a representative Quebec district of Pontiac, had a bit of a malfunction in a Zoom meeting of the <laughs> House of Commons on Wednesday. His video camera got accidentally turned on, showing him standing behind his desk between the Quebec and Canada flags, completely naked with only a cell phone covering his private parts. <laughs> so here's my question. First, I got questions, Ava. First. He's in his first. office. <laughs> no. Well, that. But if it was an accident. Yeah. How did he have time to Conveniently, cover? your junk was covered? Yeah. I'm calling bullshit. And, the, you know, the French Canadian, right? They're French Canadians, right? This is Quebec, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Look, like y'all got French roots. Don't be playing like you guys are all prudent stuff. Like, don't <laughs> give me that crap. I'm calling bullshit. I think he did it on purpose. And some, like, first of all, whatever, man, maybe it was hot. Maybe the air conditioning was off. I don't know. Right. I'm not judging why, but I'm calling bullshit on it being an accident. So that's I actually a good knew. point. Because, yeah, the minute <laughs> the camera goes on, you're right. He's covering his private parts. Mm, yeah. Interesting. And I'm not like, to mention, how big is the cell phone, you know? Dude, I know. <laughs> <laughs> or how small, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> was exactly. it a flip phone? Was it the iPhone 10X? <laughs> I mean, I got questions here. <laughs> oh, no kidding. I think what's really funny, though, is his statement. He said, this was an unfortunate error. <laughs> my video was accidentally right. turned on as I was changing into my work clothes after going for a jog. I sincerely apologize to my colleagues in the House of Commons for this unintentional distraction. Obviously, it was an honest mistake and won't happen again. Bullshit. I, look, uh-uh. not if your junk was covered. Like if it, you were changing out of your gym clothes, you'd be like running around in there, you know, a little PTA with a washcloth or something. But like you standing there with the phone covering your junk. I ain't buying it. And did we see gym clothes on the floor? That's true. Like, right. I mean, come on now. 
Let's examine well, this. Let's, also, let's do an investigation. You're right. Because then think about it. If you're changing out of your clothes, why wouldn't you keep your underwear on? For real. Like, Unless you were showering. But other than that, if you're not showering. You're not going to take your underwear off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, because you can't tell me that your ass ain't getting that sweaty when you're running or yeah, whatever. That's what I'm so, thinking. <laughs> yeah. And like, I sniff a lot of bullshit going on with this story. Again, I, you know, I could care less. You know what I mean? Is it totally inappropriate? Obviously, but I mean, I, there's bigger things to worry about. The thing that really kills me about something like this is just like, you know, in America or United States, I should say, is depending on which party this is, is really what comes down to whether or not dude gets to get away with it or not. Right. And that's the bigger thing that irritates the crap out of me about stuff like this is it's not the whatever. I mean, whatever his reasons are, I'm, I'm suspicious as hell that it was an accident personally, based on a lot of factors. That being said, how easy is it going to be swept under the rug? Because didn't that dude here that was naked, like from the waist down, wasn't there some politician that was here last year during the COVID stuff and he had a Zoom meeting and he was naked from the waist down or something like that and got busted? Mm, I don't know. The only one that I I remember is the guy that had some filter where he turned into a cat or something. My God, that was awesome. Yeah, that That was was just That was actually great. Yeah. Yeah, there there was some politician early on in the COVID thing when everybody was shut down and Zooming everything. And he didn't have his pants on and I don't know how. How do you even, how could you even tell though, if you're sitting down, usually when I'm on a podcast and there's video, I don't have pants on, but most people can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a great question. And and I'm sure if we went back and looked, we could probably find it or whatever. I'm sure sure you'll get letters about this afterwards, but, and I'm sure you're really going to get letters going. So ladies. (laughs) (laughs) So how big does one cell phone have to be? Yeah, that's like, yeah, there's a lot. of No, that's what listeners are going to ask, you know, they're going to be like, so, you know, if we're talking cell phone size, I mean, how big of a cell phone does it have to be? (laughs) I can't look for those of you out there listening that are going to be memeing this because I would love to see this, but make sure you tag me because I've got (laughs) to see just how entertaining that y'all can get with some of these, (laughs) these memes and stuff. Because this is, this is ripe stuff, right? For social media funnies. And it's, I'm a little disappointed that this isn't getting more coverage than it is. So to mm-hmm. speak. <laughs> I know. Maybe in Canada it is, but yeah. Yeah, probably. Oh gosh, it's super funny. Yeah. Canadians are kind of crazy too. I don't know if you know that, but they're kind of nutty. My husband worked with a bunch of them a few years back and they've got a pretty warped sense of humor. So that's what I'm saying. I'm not <laughs> buying. I ain't buying. This was accidental. On I, I bet I bet he lost a bet is really what it was, or something like right. that. <laughs> you know what? Good for him. If he lost a bet. And he and, and he lived up to it. And he lived up to good yeah. for him. Yeah, good no for kidding. him. That's all I have to say. Yeah. I, I feel bad if you were using a flip phone and <laughs> that's what you had to hide yourself <laughs> with. But, <laughs> but good for you hmm. for holding your end of the bet. All right. Now it is time for iTunes reviews. We're all out. And actually, yeah, these are the last two. So if you guys haven't left a review, please do so. First review is X-E-R-T-I-M. X or, yeah, I don't know. Great way to stay up to date with everything going on. Five stars. I listen at work all the time. It makes my day go by way faster. And I've learned a lot from this podcast. Next is Jeff. Five stars. Hey, if I took your advice on Mad Guts, I have to say that this is a very cool idea. I've always liked my Ruger LCP for carrying, but it's so small. This is awesome. An extra round is so cool. And keeping it the same size, I contacted Mad Guts and mentioned a referral from your podcast. So hopefully, a several million dollar sponsorship contract will be coming to tickle soon. Thanks for suggesting this company. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Jeff. All right. So Carrie, I want you out of those two reviews, I want you to pick a lucky winner. So the first review or the second? Second. All right. So Jeff, contact me again. 
same way that you contacted me before to let me know. And I'm still actually going to send out a calendar. There's the AF calendar and then the Gun Funny calendar. And on that note, it's time to wrap up. If you guys want to support the show, you enjoy it. Think about becoming a Patreon. You can make a one-time donation, a monthly donation. Just go to gunfunny.com, click on support the show. $5 and up Patreons get a GunFunny Patreon-only patch. So this patch will never be for sale. So if anyone has this patch, it means that you are, or at one time, you were a Patreon. Also, Blown Deadline, if you guys aren't familiar with him, he does the best Cerakote work in the industry. He's doing stuff that nobody else is doing. He's giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron every month. And I want to thank the $25 patrons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Oh, Morrison. that guy? I'm out. <laughs> I mean, he's, Eric is a dear, dear friend of mine. I adore him. He's great. <laughs> he's actually going to be in Florida next week, too. I messaged him. Awesome. This is actually really funny. The first thing I messaged, not, hey, how are you? What cameras are you bringing to this event? And he's, uh, I haven't thought about it. And I was like, well, I just don't want to be the a-hole who shows up with my camera phone <laughs> or my camera phone. Yeah. My iPhone. Well, everybody else has all this expensive equipment and. Is he going to be naked? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to text him that and I'm going to ask him and be like, so did you hear about. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. But yeah, he's always Eric and Chad. They're such a good time. They're just, they're really great guys. He and my husband get along really, really well. And my husband doesn't like a lot of people. And he <laughs> like he and Eric will just sit and and solve the world's problems together. It's yeah, it's fun to see that. Yeah, I'm sure. He's, he's good people. Yeah, he's really smart too. Ryan Morrison, Joe Lyons, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Joshua Hamp, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon, still Jon Snow. He wants me to say. There once was a street called Tickles, but the name was changed for public safety because nobody crosses Operator Tickles and lives. Ooh. Yeah, I like it. Operator Tickles is my dog. If you guys. Absolutely. My husband follows Tacticals. <laughs> That's so funny. Okay. Well, then your husband gets a free calendar. Okay. So contact me. <laughs> oh send me God, the address. He will, well, he will absolutely love that. I mean, obviously, and and I, my husband specifically follows Tacticals. <laughs> That's funny. I have a operator tickle stickers too that I'll include. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Thank you. All right, Carrie. Well, once again, thanks so much for joining me on the show and keep up all the great work and don't let anyone's opinion put you down. Just keep doing you. Really appreciate it. Can you just remind people once again where they can find you on the internet? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, they can find me on Instagram, Stilettos and Shotguns. My nonprofit organization is We the Female underscore official. I'm also on Facebook, same names, uh, We the Female, Stilettos and Shotguns. And I'm also on Twitter and I'm the real SNS on Twitter. And then if you want any other information about classes, events, or anywhere that I'll be speaking or teaching, wethefemale.net. Awesome. Well, on that note, we are out of here. I'm going to go take a hot bath and try to relieve all this pain that I'm in from doing my first workout class. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Well, a glass of whiskey on the side, good to go. You know it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.